Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Thank you. You may take your seats. Thank you, Steve, for such an honouring introduction. Um, it's so good to be here. How are we doing, Fire Church? Good. Are we on fire this morning? It's a little chilly, so we need, we need the fire of God to warm us up. Hey, I want to dive right in and I just love Steve's introduction there. It truly is all about connecting with the Father. This is not about us developing a greater gift for the sake of a gift. It is the greatest gift is God. The greatest gift is God. And really when it comes down to it, what we do in our lives, the order is important. God first. God existed eternally outside of time. And so the order of everything we do in life must come out of the order of God God first. And it also must come out of the order of spiritual before natural. And so often when we talk about the spiritual gifts, we get caught up in the doing where instead Father wants us to lead into what the Holy Spirit is doing so that we are coming from spirit realm and we see the external application in the natural rather than trying to strive in the natural. And so that's the foundation we are coming from today. That order is important. God first. Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So why us any less? And so today I don't want to bring man-made, woman-made words. I want to go to the Word and see what the Word says because we want Spirit-taught words, bringing Spirit-taught realities to life in us. So I really encourage you to lean in with your Spirit. The beautiful thing when we do lean in with our Spirit is this. I can be speaking and the Holy Spirit can actually be pouring things into you that are way outside anything I could say. And so when we truly lean in from the spirit realm, the Lord has the opportunity to speak individually to each one of you, which we would never have the time to do. And so God has something for each of you today. God has something personal, but he also has something he wants to say, not just a fire church, but I believe the church about the prophetic. So if you've got your Bibles there, get ready. I like that. You're like, I, see, I hear rustling and I haven't even to- told you a scripture yet. So good. Today I want to speak on discernment within the prophetic. Discernment within the prophetic. And I want to start that with a little warning. Do not switch off if you immediately thought, oh, she's going to talk about the gift of discernment and it doesn't apply to me. I am going to unpack how discernment applies to each one of us as believers, but also within the prophetic, and I will touch on a few things about the gift of discernment, but I want to take it a lot broader and deeper than that. So I just really encourage you to sink in, lean in, because it is all about the Spirit. We can't understand things unless they are discerned through the Spirit. It says discern through the Spirit. Everything I'm saying today we can't understand unless we lean in with spirit ears because that's where our discernment comes from. It is a very basis of the Spirit. And so if you've got your Bibles or your phones, can you turn to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14? 
And I just want to start with leaning in, what is discernment? Because a lot of people go, well, what, what is discernment? What does that actually mean? We throw a lot of terms out when we talk about the prophetic and even about uh, Christianity and our beliefs and our understanding of that. And so I want to actually look at what the Word says so that our foundation is from God. Our order is from God. What He is saying comes first. God has patterns that were set right back in the foundation of time. His original intentions. And so we have to come back to that. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 says this. I'm reading from the NIV. You read from whatever version you're in. But solid food is for the mature. Are there any mature believers here? Is there any believers here who would like to become a little more mature? Good. I'm in the right place. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use constant use, not occasional use, not once in a while use, not when I feel like it use, but by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So that word distinguish, which is discern in the King James Version, is the word I want to look at. Um, and it's the same word used when we, looked at, when we look at, if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, where it actually goes through some of those gifts of the Spirit there, the gift of discerning of spirits or distinguishing of spirits. Same word, same Greek word. So this word discern, which is in the Greek, it's diakresis. It means to distinguish, to discern or judge. And it also comes from the word diakrino, which means this, lean in, to separate thoroughly. To separate thoroughly. That is literally and reflexively. It is to make a distinction, to determine and to give judgment. So to discern something is to distinguish and separate one thing from another. And this is where we come for God's order, what comes first. You see, in the beginning, God existed outside of time. God existed and good existed before evil. Satan was a created being. He was not around at the same time. Good comes before evil. And there is a separation a distinct separation between good and evil. Scripture says, what fellowship can God have, or can, rather, can light have with darkness? And in the beginning, if we know our word back in Genesis 1, God separated the light from the darkness. You see, discernment is about separation. And if you understand and start to look through the word or even start to bring things to your memory, you will see in the scriptures all the way through how there is a separation between right and wrong, between clean and unclean, between the wise and between the foolish, between what is holy and what is unholy. This is at the very core of discernment. And the reason this is important is because this is at the very core of who God is and it's also at the very core of even our salvation. You see, the reason Jesus had to send his son was because after the fall of man, we could not be in any relationship with God because there was a separation God cannot have fellowship with darkness. And so his son Jesus, and we know this, but this is the truth of the gospel, 
means we had to be taken from our separation. Jesus had to take on our sins so that we could have relationship. So the understanding of discernment being a separation between good and evil is actually key not just to the prophetic but to our very faith. To our very faith. You know, sometimes people, I've heard people say things, particularly in the last number of years, oh, the line's starting to get blurred between good and evil. Oh, it's hard to know, you know, what the right thing to do is and what the wrong thing to do is. Can I tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell? There is a 100% clear delineation between what is right, what is wrong, what is the truth of God's word and what is a lie. You see, the enemy, part of his strategy is to contaminate and try and blur the line between good and evil. Think about it like this. There are some very clear distinctions that we see in the natural world around us. For instance, if I ask a five-year-old kid to point out what this is, they'll probably say, it's a chair, right? They're going to know that. Or if I go outside, I can see them out there, you probably can't. Um, and point out to a green thing with a big brown, you know, shoot at the bottom of it. You go, oh, that's a tree, right? Basic distinction. But if I take that same child into a forest with numerous different plants, can he tell me what kind of tree it is? Can he tell me whether it's a shrub, a fern? Can he tell me whether it's deciduous or evergreen? You see, that takes knowledge and insight, and what the enemy tries to do is he tries to blur the line of things that are both taking greater knowledge and insight, but he is also now so upfront that he tries to blur the line between what should be obvious distinctions. We see it all around us. He is trying to blur the line on gender when God has made that very clear in his word. He made male and female. He hasn't made any more gender since. He is trying to blur the line between what marriage should be between a man and a woman. And so all these things that we start to see in the world, we have to understand that that goes on both in a broader corporate sense, but it also applies to us personally and prophetically because we need a greater understanding of discernment, the separation between what is God, what is ourselves and what is of the enemy. Most of what we pick up around about us is through natural sight, observation. Around 80% of what we pick up is observation. But you see, observation is natural, discernment is spiritual. Observation is natural and discernment is spiritual. Can you open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1, please? 1 Samuel chapter 1. While you're turning there, we're not going to read the whole story, um, but this is the story of Hannah, and she actually had been unable to have children. The Lord had actually closed her womb. We won't even go into the theology of that right now. Um, but Hannah is at the house of the Lord, and she is crying out before the Lord because she desperately wants a child. And so we're going to pick it up in verse... Let's go verse 10. And it says, In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. 
And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Now pay attention here. Verse 12, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to you, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answers, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. There's two key statements here. If we start looking at observation is natural and discernment is spiritual. And I want you to start thinking of this in light of prophetic and how this relates to us personally. It says, Eli observed her mouth. So he made an observation in the natural. And then it says, Eli thought she was drunk. Note to self, natural observations can lead to carnal conclusions. Not just natural, natural observations can lead to carnal conclusions. Now go back to that whole separation between good and evil and what discernment is. Hannah actually says, do not take your servant for a wicked woman. Eli, a priest in the house of God, made a natural observation with his eyes and he made a discernment, a judgment, which is what discern means, to judge between good and evil, that this woman, Hannah, was evil because of what he saw in the natural. And yet a spiritual transaction is taking place over here in Hannah which can only be discerned in the spirit realm. Observation is natural. Discernment must be spiritual. If we are relying on our natural observation in our lives, in our ministry, in the prophetic, I can tell you this, you will get it wrong. Not necessarily all the time, but you will get it wrong because a spiritual transaction takes place in the spirit realm and it does not always look like we would intend or even how we would like. It can be messy. It can be chaotic. And let's be honest, we've all done it. We've all done it. We've all made natural observations or judgments of other people, of where they're at in their spiritual walk, of what's happening to them in a moment of encounter. And so it's really important for us to come back to God first. Okay, God, what are you doing in this situation? Not what do I see, God, what are you doing? Holy Spirit, show me what you are doing. Now, that's an application where we see someone else, but I want us to apply this to ourselves because let's face it, we're far more subjective and it's far harder to be prophetic about ourselves than about other people because we get it caught up in our own thoughts. T. Austin Sparks, you might not have heard of this guy, but just an amazing guy who spoke a lot on spiritual maturity and the anointing. He says this, carnality is leaning towards and being governed by what is natural. Ooh, 
carnality is leaning towards and being governed by what is natural. My question for you today is what are you governed by? What do you lean towards in your daily life? Do you lean towards the natural, what you see around you? What are you being governed by? And he says spirituality is the opposite of leaning towards natural selectiveness, likes and dislikes. You know, Eli, just a few chapters later, has a similar lack of discernment. We probably all know the story. When Samuel, the little boy who was then given to Hannah, is in the house of the Lord and he hears the Lord calling, Samuel, Samuel, Eli totally misses it again. I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Okay, I'll be honest here. How many times have we done that personally? Yeah, I do not want us to listen today from the point of view of, oh, yes, we all need to do that better. Come on, someone else is. Let's get that rake and say, come on, this is an area we all need to grow and develop in. Discernment, discernment. What is God actually doing and are we observing naturally or are we in the spirit realm at this time? Can I have a drink, please? It's just under your, under your feet. Thank you so much. This is thirsty work. Are we thirsty for the things of God? Yeah, we should be thirsty in the house of the Lord, hey? I do get thirsty when I'm speaking. Oh, thank you. So much appreciated. Praise God. All right. Discernment in the prophetic requires development. Development. That scripture we started off with, our key scripture for today, Hebrews 5.14. Do you remember what it says? Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves. Not relied on someone else. You see, if I rely on Steve's spiritual maturity, it means nothing. I can learn from him. I can get fed from him, which I do, and he honoured me so much, and I honour him because he is, what you see is what you get with Steve. He is truly a man of God. He is the same on the platform as behind the scenes. So I learn from Steve. I learn from others. We receive, but we actually have to train ourselves. What do I mean by that? Well, think about it like this. Every spiritual gift is given from God, right? Is that correct? Is that what your Bible says? Good. I'm glad we know the Bible. So it's given by God, but just because the gift is given doesn't remove responsibility from us for developing it. So Steve loves to run. He is a very natural runner. He has like the natural build, natural lung capacity, distance to run well. I don't. I am not a natural runner. Are there any non-natural runners here with me? Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Are there anyone who loves to run? Any natural runners? Oh, It's a few of you. It's all right. You're in good company. Now, what Steve has been given is a natural gift. But in order to bring that to its full potential, he has to actually work. There has to be some sweat equity and training and development. He can watch all the videos he likes about running, which he loves to do. But it does not change his development in running. I can watch all the videos I like on the prophetic, read all the books I like on the prophetic, but the rubber's actually got to meet the road. And it actually meets the road first in here 
and what we discern about God doing things in ourselves before we put the rubber on the road out there. In the same way as Steve can't just jump out and run a, a marathon without training behind the scenes himself when nobody sees it. So we have a responsibility to train and develop the gifts. And here's the important thing. The greater outcome and objective of Father is not that we become some amazing person in the gift of discernment or in the prophetic or in any other gift or an amazing preacher or teacher or whatever. The most important thing is our spiritual maturity. And it clearly says that in Ephesians 4. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature... So what does it say after that mature? Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is Father's greatest objective for us, if you like to say objective. Our objective is to be close to him. Not to have an achievement in a gift. Not to receive particular gifts. That is a fruit and an outcome of being closer to Father and of developing in spiritual maturity. But it's not the goal. If that is our goal, we will end up off track. And I just want to say this particularly about the gift of discernment because this is a really important one. When we talk about the gift of discernment as far as discerning of spirits because that's what it says, firstly come back to order. Remember, God comes first. The greater discernment is not, oh, there's, there's a spirit at work here or someone's manifesting or I sense a spirit of apathy in this environment. The greater thing is what is God wanting to do in that situation. That is the greater and that is the first and that is God's intention. It is never just about seeing demonic spirits or anything like that. Now, if you are gifted in that space, you may do so. But here's, here's, here's my warning to you. And this is where the church needs to be brought back into alignment. If that is all we see, then we are not discerning accurately. If that is all we see and that is all we do, we are not discerning accurately. The greater discernment is discerning what the Spirit is wanting to do in this time. If we see someone and they are clearly troubled by spirits, that is not God... The greater thing that God wants to do right then is bring freedom and implant a boldness in you to deal with that with no fear, no worry about what people are doing, no cause for rejection, nothing. Does that make sense? That is discernment. God first. And I also want to say this around, around discerning of spirits. And I believe we should all be aware of that. Don't push this to the side like, oh, someone else has that gift. We are seeing more and more, and I'm sure you guys are too. There are so many people bound, harassed, oppressed, whatever it is. There's stuff going on around us. We need to be aware of it. But here's the thing. When it talks to us about training and constant use, it means in the word. If we want to know about the gift of discernment and discerning spirits, we do not ever study anything to do with the demonic, the occult, witchcraft, or anything to do with the enemy, full stop. 
Full stop. The word is very clear. Whatsoever things are lovely, noble, pure, think, of the, think on these things. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. The scripture is full of instruction that we do not look at things like that. It says shun evil. So if you have been tempted to go, oh, I need to look into this because I think this person's struggling with witchcraft, repent and get rid of it because it is a lie of the enemy to try and suck you in and for yourself to become bound. And I just want to say on that, there's a great um, illustration which I heard a while ago, I don't know who from, but many years ago when we all used to use physical cash, does anyone still remember it? Does anyone still have some physical cash? Excellent. Many years ago, when cash was the only commodity, bank tellers used to be trained in how to identify counterfeit money. The way they would identify that is the bank tellers would train and look and smell and feel real money over and over and over. They could tell by the placement of the serial numbers. They could tell by the faces on the notes. They could tell literally by the thickness of the paper, the smell of it. And so they never ever looked at a counterfeit note. They only looked at real money. They studied it. And so when a counterfeit note came across their Desk, counter, yes, thank you. Straight away, they had a recognition. This is not from, this is not real. This is not real. Why? Because they were so trained in the truth. People, we want to grow in discernment. We must be so trained in the word of God, not for knowledge that puffs up, but for a deeper insight and understanding of the truth that is implanted into us so that when stuff does come across our, across our path, we don't need to look for it, that we just straight away recognise and we also come back to that order, which is God's authority, his kingdom authority over everything. And so we just deal with it. Doesn't matter if it's messy, chaotic, whatever, we deal with it. We don't have to make a fuss, we don't have to do anything crazy and sometimes stuff happens and that's okay. You know, if you look at the life and ministry of Jesus, you can often miss the discernment because it happens so quick. So quick. You know, there's often more talked about the healings and things like that. But if you notice, there are certain times where people are what we think would be sick or epilepsy, and Jesus casts the demon out and says, with a word, with a word. I'm still growing in spiritual maturity. Sometimes when I'm casting demons, they're not going out straight away. There's a struggle. There's a wrestle. And that's okay because I don't give up. I'm a bit of a persistent bulldog. So if something gets in my way, I'm not leaving till it's dealt with. But we don't, see a lot of, we don't see a lot of the word discernment used in Scripture, but it is all through there, all through Scripture. And so if you want to grow in discernment, it will honestly make the world of difference to every part of your personal life, but also any ministry expression you do, any ministry expression that you do. How are we going, church? Are we good? Are we leaning in? All right, now it's going to get really real. Are you ready? Oh, I love your enthusiasm. 
do it. Do it. Don't goad me. As prophetic people, we need a greater revelation of discernment for ourselves to divide between spirit and soul. We need to divide and separate between spirit and soul in our personal lives and in our ministry expressions. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It is very easy in the prophetic to allow soulish observation to take the place of spiritual revelation. Too easy. Too easy. Um, in Matthew 16, we don't have to turn to it, um, but you probably all know the story. It's, it's the chapter where um, Jesus actually asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter ends up with the revelation, you are the Messiah. And Jesus says, you are blessed because this was not revealed by anything on earth, but by my Father in heaven. And then as Steve so rightfully has shared, just six verses later, Peter goes from being blessed and in spiritual revelation to get by me, Satan, because Jesus has said, look, I've got to suffer, I've got to go to the cross, these things are going to happen. Peter says, no, Lord, no, you can't do that. This cannot happen. And Jesus rebukes him. Get behind me, Satan. Have a listen to this. It says here um, in verse 23, You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, before we get all judgmental on Peter, listen to what it says in the Greek. It's the word phroneo about you do not have in mind. It's Phroneo means to exercise the mind, that is, to entertain or have a particular sentiment or opinion. It means to be mentally disposed more or less earnestly in a certain direction. You see, as prophetic people, we can allow our own opinions and biases to influence what we say and do. That is an example of that, our own opinions and biases. We can base a prophetic word, a word of knowledge on stuff we have seen rather than on stuff that the Lord is speaking to us. We must come back to seeing Jesus, not the circumstance. I want to hit a few things here in in the prophetic and around discernment. Don't say something else just because someone is in pain and you want to make them feel better. There are too many prophetic, in quotation mark, words going around because people are longing for a child or they've got a difficult situation or they haven't been healed for for years. And well-meaning believers, but unfortunately untrained believers, are giving a prophetic word to say, I see you're going to have a child in two years. This time next year you're going to be healed. Let me tell you what that is. If it's not God, it's evil. Ouch, I've done it myself and I have repented. And why is that important? I'll tell you why, because it's not biblical, but it also removes us from having to have faith. See, what we should do in that situation is this. If there is no word and there is a person in need, we need to come before the Lord and pray a prayer of faith right then. You can declare healing over them. 
You can speak life into them, but you don't prophesy, thus said the Lord, such and such will happen. Pray the, fear of, pray the prayer of faith. Lay hands on them. Join with them, but come into agreement with what the Word said. All right, here's one. As prophetic people, don't use repeat phrases, themes or pictures that have previously been well received by others. Or that you've heard someone else say. Don't do it. It's soul. It's not spirit. You see, our mind, will and emotions can influence both what we say, but it's also coming from the overflow of our heart then. And so there's a lack of purity. You know, our motivations play a big part in the prophetic. Um, I struggled and I still have to overcome from time to time. You probably wouldn't realise it because I'm going whack, whack, whack this morning. Um, I struggled with fear of man for a long time. And so when we have certain insecurities, fear of man, fear of getting it wrong, fear of failure, fear of rejection, that can influence how we then minister to others. And it also plays a part in what we are discerning in our mind. But the other side to that is we can then try to be more like someone else who's prophetic. We're like, oh, that's the right way to be. I'll be like them. Rather than, again, order. Where does it come from? It comes from God. We should never minister, speak, give a word, give an encouragement because we want to be seen or noticed or validated. And we should never use the prophetic as a means for position or power. I know I'm hitting it hard, but this is we need to come back as the church to what God says in his word. He is holy and we can't have any mixture with our soul going on. Some of us actually need to get beyond the fear of man side of things and when God prompts, we need to step out and go, I'm going to speak up. Others of us need to actually close our mouth a bit more. I hear some claps. Some of us need to close our mouth. And we actually need to be honest enough to allow the Lord to examine our hearts. Some of you are going, I did not come here for this today. I did not come here for this today. But do you know what? It is so liberating to know that we can come before the Lord with a pure heart, pure motivation. It is such a liberating thing. And some of us, some of us in this room get bound up because we are allowing our soul to get into stuff. We need more discernment about ourselves, our motives, and we need to pray some honest prayers. Father, show me whether I am in soul or spirit. Some of you have probably come along today going, I'm hoping someone will tell me, give me the key. How do I know whether it is prophetic or not? How do I know whether it is God or not? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to change that question to, Father, examine my heart. See if there is any offensive way in me and see if God wants to reveal a motive, a bias, an insecurity in you, an attitude that you're unaware of. Or even be courageous enough to go there and say, you know what, I've got some pride, I've got some selfish ambition, I've got I don't know what, I've got a lack of submission to authority. I'm not going there because I don't want to be accountable to anyone. 
If you read this, there's a whole chapter in there on submission, so. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm, I'm about to finish, but I just want to give you a couple of examples of how our soul can get in the way of being prophetic and also discerning. Because regardless of whether or not you've even been aware of discernment up till now, we, we use it or we try and use it. So here's an example, and I'm going to use a couple of church examples because we're in church, but this happens in the world, in your workplace, wherever you are. It happens with your marriage, happens with your kids, but I'm going to use a church one because you're probably all going to giggle. So here's an example. I've, let's just say hypothetically, I've been having a rough week and I've actually been feeling like pretty complacent. I haven't read my Bible much. I'm just struggling to hear from God. I am a prophetic person, but like I'm just having one of those weeks and so I'm just feeling a bit like heavy and weighty. So I come into a church meeting sitting there and then I'm like, oh, now I'm getting closer to God. And suddenly I'm like, I'm sure there's a spirit of complacency in this place. No, no, I didn't mean, yes. Good, yes, someone picked up on it, thank you. You see, we will carry from what's in our soul into the environment we're in. And so if we think we're discerning a spirit in an environment or that something's going on in a place, first thing to check is not with your pastor or whoever's overseeing. The first thing to check is in your heart. And if you think you're discerning a spirit of complacency and apathy, maybe the place to go is on your knees before the Lord. Here's another one. Someone's at the altar and they are clearly having an encounter before the Lord. They are weeping. And you go up to them and you start ministering over them and speaking all this stuff over them. I know, I'm saying out here too. I'm just, I want to be really honest today, okay? I'm not preaching at you. I am bringing the word of the Lord that the Lord has brought to me, okay? So someone's weeping at the altar. And because, you know, we're part of a ministry team on a church or because we're in the church visiting, I walk over to them and I start speaking. And now we have to, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, but we start ministering into them and we're saying all this stuff and praying and they get up at the end and they don't even look at you, they just walk away. They just walk away. Why? Because I had no discernment. They were having an encounter with God Literally one of those Hannah moments. They didn't need me to come and interrupt. They could not hear a word God was saying and God couldn't hear a word they were saying because I got in their face because I thought it was time for some prophetic intervention. So this is where we need discernment. Because sometimes people do need 
They need, they need our compassion. Or God is saying, I do have a word for them. But we need discernment to know, are we just stepping in because we're part of the team? Are we just stepping in because it's the thing to do? And I, I don't know what you're going to think of me after this. I do not want everyone second guessing. And do you know what? If we have a purity of motivation before the Lord, it won't cause second guessing. What it will cause is a holy reverence for our God and what he is doing in the moment and actually allowing us all to step back and say, it's not about me. It's about what you're doing. It's about what Holy Spirit is doing. And Holy Spirit is well more able to do anything than I can. And so, God, if you need me to partner with you, I will do that. But I'm not just going to step my foot or my mouth or my hands or anything else just because I'm here and I think that's my role right now. Are we hearing me, church? Thank you. Thank you for receiving the word. I'm sure you can probably think of some other examples. And perhaps the Lord has been prompting you and we're actually going to pray together in a minute. I think one of the most wonderful things is when the Lord can move on our heart and work because what happens after that is that the glory of the Lord comes. That's when the glory of the Lord comes. Because when we talk about in the presence of the Lord there's fullness of joy, you know, often it, Often prophetic people go, I can't hear a thing. Why? Because there is so much clamoring stuff going on. We're not in unity of spirit. The Lord can't command the blessing because there's no unity in there. Final scripture from me. Well, maybe final. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. This is Paul talking to the church at Philippi. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You see, when we are discerning believers, there is fruit that just comes naturally as a result. We don't have to strive for it. We don't have to work for it. It comes because we are abiding in the vine. And the fruit is God receives the glory. We have a greater intimacy with God because we don't have those even unseen little barriers that we didn't know were there in our motivations and stuff. And those things, can I just say, we need discernment in our everyday life. Just listening, but... All right, I feel God saying to say this. We need discernment in every area of our lives. I want to give you one example. We need discernment in what we watch and listen to. But when I say that, everyone's going to go the obvious, like, oh, yes, you know, we don't want to watch anything with sex and terrible language and horrible violence and all that sort of stuff. Okay, remember that first illustration of the obvious? (laughs) The obvious. Yep, I can tell a chair from a tree. Good. Let me tell you this, there are many times as believers we need to be more discerning of what we feed on, not necessarily, hear this, okay, so we could be watching a program 
that is completely clean or even listening to something feeding us from the word, you know, a sermon, a podcast, you know, studying something. And as we are watching it, let's just say we're watching something to do with a hobby or sport or running or fishing, cooking, house renovation, whatever, you know, name your thing, whatever you like. Here's where discernment comes in. Oh, what are you coveting, Sally? You're looking at that house and that kitchen and you've just started coveting it. You're listening or watching that sermon and you're looking jealously at that person's gift. That's discernment to a new level. That's when we can do things that are good. See how it says discern what is best? That's when we can do things that are good and still be listening to the Holy Spirit. Not that we need to turn a program off or change what we're doing, but it's actually changing our hearts. So that we can watch sport and not go, oh, I wish I had their body. And it actually turns into jealousy, coveting, lust of the eyes. Changing your heart. That's just what true revival is. Discernment gives as a fruit greater understanding of God's character, his word and his ways. We gain the ability to discern not only the obvious between good and evil, but what is best and the little things God is working on in our hearts. We have as a fruit greater purity, wisdom in our hearts and on our lips. This is all from scripture. I'm not going to go into it. Grace to lead others. It's an automatic overflow. Discernment is so much greater, so much deeper, and has so much more personal application than we may have realised. Would you just close your eyes with me? Actually, would we all just stand? Thank you, Father. Would you just turn your face to heaven? Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you, if anything I have spoken has touched on a point or even you felt the kindness of the Holy Spirit convicting you, I just really encourage you to bring that to him right now. I'm going to pray in a minute, but don't wait for me. Spiritual maturity means we can bring it to the Lord, even in the midst of everyone else. Father, would you show us if there is any way in us that is offensive to you in our personal lives, in our ministry expression? Father, would we be ones who walk according to your ways, that even as we live our lives, God, we would be open to the daily promptings, the small discernments, the sharpening discernments of your spirit? And Father, would you make us your pure vessels? Would you make us your pure vessels? Lord, show us our true motives, those biases that get in the way. God, we repent, Father, of the things which are not of you. We repent for those attitudes, those motivations. God, we repent for the pride. God, for the selfish ambition that has crept in from time to time. And God, we lay it at your feet and we say, forgive us and make us a pure church. A church that you're... Your son is coming back for a holy bride. 
a holy bride, holy and pleasing and acceptable to you. If you just want a greater impartation of discernment, of the gift of discernment or just discernment in your personal lives, would you just reach out your hands to him? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for your gifts, that you are a good God, that you give good gifts. And we thank you right now for an impartation of greater discernment to your sons and to your daughters. God, I thank you for a greater understanding of your word to be imparted. God, that they would know you intimately and thoroughly. God, that they would be ones who seek your face and understand and hear your voice and quickly obey. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are molding and shaping us into your image. God, that we don't have to be striving to be loved and accepted by you, that that is your perfect gift for us. And so we come to you with open arms and open hearts. And we thank you, Father, for what you have poured into us today. God, would you seal this word to our hearts? I pray that it would produce much fruit, 30 and 60 and 100 fold, that your church would be a discerning church, that your church would be a bold church in the prophetic, but also a pure church, a church that is not afraid, Lord, because they understand your order, your order and your authority. And God, we give you all the glory, all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.